yum nub. Each out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and I hate you. And my name is Matt and I know all about waiting for my family. They will be back someday. Uh, okay, great. All right. This time we had a little snafu. Not that you guys would know, but uh, our recorder wasn't working or found anywhere. So uh, today we are, after a bit of a holiday hiatus, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Visions, Episode 8, Lop and Ocho. So, but before we know we kind of get anything, we like to talk a little bit about our lives, mainly Star Wars related. Uh, so Matt, what's wild and crazy in your life, Star Wars related? Um, yeah, so we haven't recorded in a while. We took a, took a break because of work and holidays and so on and so on, and we do this for free. So... Um, we took a break. So we haven't really checked in with each other except over a text about Star Wars stuff. I've actually been doing um, a fair amount of just Star Wars hunting and pecking. Watched a couple Clone Wars episodes. I watched the Citadel arc again. That's where they bust people out of the Citadel. Then I watched the Rebels arc where Ahsoka fights Vader, Twilight of the Apprentice. Oh, yeah doesn't get much better than that one and then i've been reading a lot of or doing a lot of audiobook stuff so i finished the thrawn book and i'm most of the way through the ronin book which is the which is the accompanying star wars legends book for visions um the duel it's a continuation of the story of the duel and it's pretty good i was having a hard time getting into it in the beginning but it's really grown on me a lot and i think it's a great great little story for a legend story so i recommend it if you guys if anyone wants to listen to it it's good the audio book from audible of course is wonderful yeah other than that i've just been watching watching some of these with the kids they mostly like them the star wars vision stuff they mostly like them but my kids are pretty pretty into star wars have you done anything star wars uh, i finished the thrawn book uh, I, I really enjoyed it and then I, I watched a few episodes of rebels here and there as well as uh, the mandalorian but I uh, haven't done a whole lot, to be honest, other than, like, my daughter got pretty much Baby Yoda everything for Christmas. And as well as my son got a uh, big Lego Grogu, as well as the um, Mandalorian, uh, <clears throat> sorry, not Mandalorian, but the uh, Boba Fett helmet, which is, it's, they're both fairly technical, but he did it no problem. So I was, I was pretty stoked about that. And they look really good. Baby, the Baby Yoda is like the 1,000-piece one? Yeah, uh, they were selling it at Costco. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so we're recording this one for everyone's timeline awareness, because these go up much later than we record them. We're recording in that short period of time between Christmas and the Book of Boba Fett. So we haven't seen the Book of Boba Fett yet, and we just had Christmas. My kids got a Lego X-Wing and a Lego TIE Fighter. I got them as a set. It was pretty fun for them. And then I got—I always give them a big Star Wars vehicle or animal for Christmas. And this mm-hmm. year I gave them the ATTE, which I got a really good deal on on eBay. Oh, wow, those that's things, cool. Those things get fucking expensive, but and it's huge. It's like it's bigger than like an AT AT Walker. It's just in footprint. It's not taller. It's like a bug, right? But it holds like forty guys. It's really big. It's really oh. impressive. Cool. We also got them a art book, a Ralph McQuarrie art book, who signed. It was signed by the author of the art book, not by McQuarrie, but by the guy who 
wrote the foreword and did the art. Christy actually found that in a used bookstore in our town and got a really good deal on it. So they have their own little Star Wars library building. Very cool. All right, so uh, do you want to go over the uh, the episode, or sorry, the uh, kind of the behind the scenes stuff before we get started? Sure, we can we can move over to Star Wars Visions now. So today we're going to talk about, as Jamie said earlier, the eighth episode. So we're almost done. Called Lopinocho, and it was originally released on September twenty second, two thousand twenty one. I think you already did this part. This episode was produced by the studio Geno Studios. And I did was doing a lot of research this afternoon, and I could find very little about the studio. They've only been around for a little bit, and they only have four other credits. They're all within the last couple of years. But the director of the episode is most known for being in the art department and an art director for a show called Keep Your Hands Off of Aizukan, which is a show about hmm. an underappreciated anime artist trying to find herself and her style. So I, I watched a trailer for it and a dubbed trailer for it and read the summary, plot summary. It, it sounds like a coming-of-age sort of story. So that's that's interesting of itself. For the cast, there's really, really focused on just the two main characters here. The two main characters are called Lapa Ocho, not coincidentally. Uh, Lop is played by a, a woman named Anna Carthcart, and she's sort of a Disney child actor alum who's best known for her roles on the show Zoe Valentine and Odd Squad. I'm not a Disney person. My kids don't really watch Disney shows, and these shows are a little bit before my kids' time, too. So these are like 2012, 2016 shows. Yeah, I think they play Odd Squad on PBS. That's how I know it. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong about. I know she she was she has a bunch of Disney credits. I thought Odd Squad was a Disney show, but maybe it's a PBS show. Oh yeah, okay. I definitely. Yeah, I was seeing a picture. Yeah, I, I remember it now. And then the actor who played Ocho is played is played by a woman, Hiromi um, Damas, uh, who is on Hannah Montana as the snobby friend Tracy Van Horn. Another show I never really <laughs> saw, but I understand the concept of it. But when I looked up her, Hiromi, uh, she's got a ton of credits and really, really cool stuff. Um, she has a role, she has voiceover work in the new Animaniacs that's been coming out. My kids are loving that. And she was on Curious George as a couple different characters, the PBS series. And she has a reoccurring character, Lena Luther, in every Lego DC series for the past 10ish years. She just re her voice just she just does voiceover work for Lena Luther over and over and over again. This is the only episode of Visions that the studio produced, Jenna Geno Studios. I don't want to be emphasize that the actors I highlighted were for the English dubbed version again mm-hmm. because that's the version that we watched. Yeah. Yeah, because neither of us speak Japanese worth a damn. <laughs> and in my case, at all. But that's all I have for the background. So I think you can probably get us into the plot summary. I've got a fair amount of commentary on this episode, just to warn you. Yeah. Okay, that's totally fine. The show opens up on a Star Destroyer coming out of hyperspace uh, above the planet Tau. 
A narrator says the planet has traded their resources to the Empire for modernization. The general public do not like the Empire's presence and consider them to be an occupying force. I promise I'm no. not going to do this a lot, but I, I want to talk about this opening shot. Okay. This The shot of the Star Destroyer coming out of hyperspace is a different animation style than the rest of the show. You're right. It's 3D. I yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're, you're totally right. It's gorgeous. The whole this whole opening sequence like just blew me away and took my breath away, and I was incredibly excited. It transitions to the style of animation, a much more flat two D style of animation, that is unmistakably anime. Very quickly, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's it's very different. The first ten seconds of the show, completely different than the rest, and I, I think it's pretty stark too. All right, so we okay. So after that, we, we see a young lepi charging through the crowd, and her name is Lop. Other lepis are seen carrying heavy loads. The young Lop jumps through the alleys and onto rooftops, followed by a droid. She has some fruit and is wearing a restraint collar of some kind. Now, just to put it out there, the lepis are kind of like rabbits, I guess. They have big, floppy ears. Right, so the... The Star Wars cultural touch point for Lepi is Jackson, mm, the green yes. rabbit from the comics, the old Marvel comics in the 80s. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned them. They, he, they have his uh, skeleton in an episode of The Clone Wars. Yeah, it's the D-Squad episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's a, she's a rabbit, and you see that, you see that her race and, or species is in slavery on this planet. Like yes. They're, they're shackled and they're beasts of burden. Mm hmm. Okay. So Lop makes her way to the market where she tries to seal some fruit when a man stops her. The man is tall and missing an eye. He's got a kind of a cross uh, scar on his eye. It's an interesting look. His name is Boss Yasaburo. He notices that Lop is one of the Empire's laborers from her restraints. He asks where are her, her parents. Lop replies that they aren't around. The young girl offers Lop to join her family because they have plenty. The young girl is... Uh, her name is Ocho. Um, and uh, she is uh, Yasaburo's daughter. Did you hear that? I did. What was it? What was that What was that you played? Oh, is that from... Yeah, it's Dodgeball. Got it. Ocho. Sorry. ESPN 8. The Ocho. Okay, that's good so that, drop. Though, no, good drop. That, that whole thing went over like a wet fart. Um, okay, so he scolds her for revealing details about their financial sta uh, stability to a to a stranger and an alien. Ocho is so excited that she grabs Lop and takes her to the beach where they cement their bond. Boss Yusuburo decides to take, take Lop in, and they take a family photo after removing Lop's restraints. Now, before I go any further. This whole interaction with Ocho and her father, Basse Saburo, it's very anime style, especially with the the um, squealing young girl who squealing can't be, young girl, the, can't the be father who's just like yelling, and just of course they because it's dubbed over from the original Japanese, it completely everything they're saying completely doesn't match, and it just looks ridiculous. There's, there's, so this is one of my least favorite scenes. I'm not going to give away what I think about it overall, but this is one of my least favorite scenes in the whole episode. Ocho and the father are just yelling 
I don't know if it's like a dubbing problem or if it's stylistically, but they're literally like yelling at the top of their lungs the entire time. And after Lop says her parents aren't around anymore, she doesn't get to speak. She is adopted. She is taken to the beach. Her restraints are removed and adopted by this family without her saying anything. Because Ocho is just screaming the entire time. And then her father's like, well, now I have to because it's a matter of honor. And Lop is just standing there like, like the animation is actually pretty funny because she has sort of this dumbfounded look on her face. Like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And then she ends up adopted into this family, like, like non-consensually. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, said her parents weren't around. They were just around the corner. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> went, went out to the store. I guess you're mine now. <laughs> So in the photograph they take is is seen a lot throughout the the rest of this episode. So it's uh, a good artifact for for mm-hmm. a lot. That's a great plot yeah. device. Yeah. So jump. So the story then jumps ahead seven years. Lop is unconscious on the ground, and there are fire and, and debris all around. The droid TD4 is there with her, but it's also banged up. Lop is worried about her sister and pulls out an eyepiece where she can see infrared and sees that her father may have been responsible for the explosion. I just had to say also, it seems like before it goes into that, it seems like that seven years, you know, has not been good to the planet as far as like Imperial mining. Cause that seems like what they're doing. Yeah. I will say that I, I really appreciate the time jump jump here. And I really appreciate that they told us exactly how long that jump is. And the the style, like everything looks different, it, but not super different. It's it, you can tell their the trajectory of their society is down, and that things are getting worse for the people. Mm-hmm. And they really do that great thing where they drop you into a situation, and you're as confused as Lop is. It's like seven years later, and then there's like she's laying on the ground with a broken droid next to her, surrounded by fires. And she's trying to figure out what's going on. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So it's it's a really, really good good way to sort of frame Lop's confusion using with the audience. You know, like sinking the audience and Lop up at that moment. All right. So Ocho and Yesaburo are arguing about his attack on the Imperial compound. Lop begs them to stop arguing. Each has an entourage behind them. First, Ocho scolds her father for being reckless with safety and cavalier with people's lives, but after a few moments, it is clear they are just on opposite sides of the matter at hand. Ocho is fine with the imperial occupation of the planet. She sees them as job creators and bringing their planet into modernity. Yesoburo sees them as criminals who are robbing the planet of the natural resources in order to enrich themselves and a select few. I really like this conversation because it shows that they're not just like her daughter, like the daughter Ocho is moving the goalposts on her father a lot in this argument where she's like, you were reckless and you've endangered people. How dare you treat people with such like disregard? And he's like, I'm fighting for the planet. And she's like, well, that's not even worth fighting for. <laughs> like, like she, like she really like, like gets at him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she would happily sacrifice people's lives if she believed in a cause, but she doesn't believe in the same cause. And so she gets to throw it back in his face like, like, OK, boomer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as they argue, their people run away, leaving the three of them alone while the Empire descends on them. They all leave. Now, later in a speeder, 
Lop and Ocho are talking. Before I go on, the speeder reminds me a lot of the speeder that Han Solo steals in the Solo movie. Yeah, the first one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really like that. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful little convertible number, just like in the movie. It's a, it's a really cool design. Yeah. So Ocho says Lop wouldn't understand. Lop pushes back on this. Ocho says she loves her father and the planet. She's getting close to the Empire because it's the best thing for everyone. Ocho tells Lop not to worry. They eventually come upon an Imperial road blockage. An Imperial officer greets Ocho and tells Lop that Ocho is an agent of the Empire who is supposed to negotiate with her father to prevent terrorist attacks. She's failed at this, so the Empire now will target her clan. Ocho says that she will work on her father. Instead, the Empire offers her a job as an officer. Lop pleads with her not to join the Empire, and Ocho cuts off her braid and sides with the Empire. So this is very kind of like, I don't know, like, I guess like the samurai, like losing like their top knot, or I remember this is completely different, but like, like in like the original Shanghai Noon, Jackie Chan's character has this huge long braid that that's his honor. And once it gets cut off, like he has no honor. So this is a a very kind of, it's a very scene showing that she's not, she's, she's chosen aside and she's casting away her 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 family and her tradition. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of religious and cultural traditions that center around like hair as a commitment, right? Like the little titsas on Jewish boys and and the long braided hair in the Jackie Chan movie was representative of that period in Chinese culture and then like the top knot on samurais. We've seen we've seen this exact behavior before in Star Wars with Kanan cutting off his hair and probably quoting this action here or Mm -hmm. the same cultural touch point that this is quoting. It really is a physical transformation for her because she also like paints blood on her eyes. Like, yeah, she like pricks her thumb or something like that and puts blood on like, um, I don't know if that happens here or later, but, but that's what she does. She like goes through this physical transformation and hands lop her, her several foot long braid of hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to talk for a second the uh, the imperial officer that they're talking to. Now he's, I didn't look up the rank. That oh, he he's got was. a bunch Did of you? them. <laughs> he's got a bunch of them. He's got like five red and five blue or something. Yeah, and he's dressed in white, so he's like he's ISB or he's something else completely, something along the lines of like Krennic. He and sort of he looks also, like he sort of looks like Team Rocket. That is true, yeah, and he's got kind of like his head shaved in a weird way on one side, and he's got like green tips of his ears, so he's definitely an alien. So it's one of one of the few aliens that you actually see uh, as uh, officers of the Empire. I didn't notice that he was an alien. That's a great call. So six red and six blue are is an admiral. I'm gonna check to see if that's his rank. <sighs> yeah, so he is. He sort of looks like. The villain guy in um, oh, what's the fuck's his name? Who's the actor who plays Commissioner Gordon? Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman? Yeah. Yeah. So he sort of looks like Gary Oldman in The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So he has got six red and six blue, and according to this website, that means he has the rank of admiral. Admiral. It seems kind of seems kind of young, but in a fascist I, organization like that, it's not really. 
always what you can do. It's how awful are you and whose butt did you kiss or who are you related to? Actually, and that kind of works don't, here, too. Don't disrespect Gary Oldman. No. He's, I'm sure he's put in the work. Yeah, no, Gary Oldman's right. He said Ocho gives Lop the braid and Lop runs away, slipping and falling into the city below. She retreats back home to a dojo of sorts where she talks to her father. All of his fathers have pretty much abandoned him. He asks about Ocho, and Lop explains the, the plot of the show so far for him, meaning that she's kind of run off and joined the Empire. Lop says that she cares about the planet and that she wants to protect it. Lop wants the three of them to be live together. She wants the Empire to leave, and she asks her father to lend her his strength. Yasubro takes Lop to a secret room where he lights some candles and takes out a small box. He says Lop that has a good heart and apologizes that he might have favored Ocho over her and that he never meant to. He opens the box and inside is a lightsaber hilt. Before we get into what happens next, this exchange between sort of Lop and Yasaburo, her adoptive father, is really sort of the heart of the episode, meaning like it's sort of like the emotional motivation for the whole thing, where she was adopted, maybe not treated as an equal but is really really the one that that sort of embodies their values the most yeah well it's kind of like king lear the the one that was the truest was never was never treated well thank you for bringing up shakespeare <laughs> you know it's a well, but it's a beautiful parallel that i hadn't thought of you're 100 percent correct it, it is it is absolutely that and he recognizes it too late. Save either of his daughters, really. But but he's lost everything now. And now he has this lightsaber. He's going to give it to her. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the most valuable thing in their family. Yeah. And he's going to give it to this quote-unquote outsider. So Yasa Burrow puts his fist down on the floor and the room fills with stars. Now, I thought this was a pretty cool effect. Lop uses her eyepiece to see what is happening Yasaburo says that she doesn't need to see the eyepiece. She just needs to see with her eyes. Then he explains the ritual. So apparently hundreds of years ago, a Jedi died on the planet. And Yasaburo's family has been passing the lightsaber down through the generations. The sword is a symbol of their unwavering beliefs and fortitude. I absolutely love this. I love the idea that that their connection, it's Excalibur in a way, right? It's like the original purpose of the lightsaber. It's this mystical thing that ties them to the past, ties them to this religion, gives them purpose, gives them a moral code. It's exactly the right tone for a lightsaber in this in this moment. And this effect of like him doing this ritual and the room filling up with stars is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So Yasubro gives her the lightsaber. Lop uh, respectfully accepts the saber. Yasubro says that this may be the end of their family, but he's proud of her. He says Ocho and Lop are both his daughters. Yasubro goes to meet Ocho and turn himself in. He instructs Lop to stay behind. Eventually, there's a huge explosion in the distance at the Imperial compound. Lop hops into her speeder and goes toward the explosion. She does some fancy driving and eventually wrecks the car and floats the rest away on her uh, umbrella. Like it's a silly, it's yeah. a silly scene, but it sort of works. Yeah. Inside the Imperial base, there's a fight happening, and Yasaburo is fighting Ocho. He pleads with her to stop. Ocho says that he doesn't understand. They continue to fight. Lop shows up, with, and Ocho slams her father to the ground. Ocho says that she didn't want this. 
Ocho uh, is holding a, I, I don't know what you would call this. It's kind of like nunchucks, except they're like, there's three of them. There's three poles and they have longer poles. each about like a, a yard in length and they're chained together with through some like energy. Yeah, it's some sort of like vibro weapon. But yeah, I don't know. not really. Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not hip to all my 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 weapons. I need to go visit a mall knife store to to, to learn more about that sort of stuff. So Lop ran to her father, and his good eye is now gone. He says he will never see them again. He tells Lop to deal with her sister. Ocho says that Lop isn't even family; she's adopted. Ocho lunges to Lop, and Lop ignites the lightsaber. Now this really kind of uh, pisses Ocho off. Saburo says that inheritance has nothing to do with blood. Lop pleads with Ocho again. Ocho kills the TD4 droid, and Lop lunges at Ocho, hacking away with the lightsaber. Lop then, this is kind of uh, bizarre, I wasn't expecting. She actually uses the force and grabs the uh, Psy and slashes Ocho across the chest, leaving a huge X. Kind of very similar to the the cross, the scar that their father has on his eye, and you see part of his chest, he's got like huge scars. It's perpendicular pattern. Yeah, it's a it's a nice connection there. We'll talk about this fight in a second, though. Ocho uh, flies back and off a cliff. She immediately reappears, reappears riding an Imperial ship with a stoic look on her face. Now, the ship looks very much like the Corvus from, from Inferno Squadron. It looks exactly like the Corvus. I'm glad you yeah. said that. So there's wreckage and the family photo on the beach is projected, and that's the end. It's kind of a cliffhanger, but I don't know. I didn't mind it so much, like unlike the like the second episode where you know they kind of left it open to to be something. But this was just kind of like this was like that, but a little eh, a little more classier, in my opinion. Well, before we get into exactly what our feelings are. I do want to talk about this fight a little bit. It's very... So the whole show is a little frantic in its pacing. Like, you're sort of rushing from one thing to another the entire time. This fight is actually pretty satisfying. Right up until the point where she slashes across her sister's chest and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just feels like the twins again, where you have this huge weapon and... You don't really have control of over it to the extent of like a master would, and then everything's going crazy and frantic, and then all of a sudden you're surgically precise with it. Yeah, it's fine. It's a plot thing. It's fine. It's just something that, like when he when she slashed her, I thought like like I don't get it because I didn't realize that she was alive for that first few for the three seconds where they let you think she might be dead. I was like, I don't get it. She's supposed to save her sister by killing her? What's happening? And then yeah. her sister's alive. I was like, okay, so she's still alive. I do love this like sort of brother versus brother civil war thing that's going on. Sister versus sister. I mm-hmm. love the I love the whole thing of found family. I love the fact that Lop is adopted and it, the whole King Lear thing you brought up, the truest is the outsider who's mistreated. Even if we don't see her being mistreated, it sounds like... She wasn't the favorite, but I don't know. I like, and then like we said, that that holographic photo of them on the beach is is brought up multiple times to sort of reinforce that at one point in time they were all together, and this could have been different. Yeah. So yeah, the thing I I had a tough time 
either wrapping my head around or just accepting is this that you that you see like like in the beginning Ocho just wants to have Lop in the family but then she's just like happy to have her and thinks that she's so nice and then she's just kind of treating her like garbage so makes me think that oh she just wanted a pet that's a that's a darker interpretation but an interesting one for sure before we get any deeper into it do you want to sort of well did you like it um not particularly there there were certain parts that were like okay that's kind of cool but other than that i the, the second that they started like the the argument at the beginning with the uh, mismatched dialogue and then just yelling for no good reason i i halfway checked out uh, I I was just like no, yeah. and then just like the fact that like when it fl- flashes to seven years later, Lop is pretty much wearing she she looks like she's wearing the equivalent like the Star Wars equivalent of like hot pants, and then she's got a her big she's got a big hole in her butt where her big fluffy bunny tail is sticking out of it. And it was just like I really don't like this design. <laughs> yeah, they really um, made they really made teenage Lop sexy lack of a better term right they, they like put her in like a halter top almost mm-hmm. right? i'm just not into that sort of thing anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not not into the furry lifestyle anymore yeah <laughs> i didn't like it because i just couldn't I, I couldn't follow the pace of it the pacing of it was so jarring to me and everybody yelling all the time and i just i i came down someplace in the middle basically, because the first couple times I watched it, I really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But I watched it a bunch of times. One, because I have to do notes for us, and I kept trying to find things I liked about it. I think I come down where it's like, it's okay. But there's so many things I find problematic about about it, and there's just too much. This is one of the longer ones, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This is almost 20 minutes, and they cram so much into it, it's just not it's it's not cohesive in like a believable way it's it's really hard to follow it's really hard to be invested in these characters arcs it's just incredibly difficult i wish we would have known more about the lepies and how they're mistreated we should have known anything about her growing up if they're going to make it a plot point later that she was potentially mistreated or seemed to be like second class in her family we should have known more about what the empire was doing to that planet yeah right all of this is almost is just implied or just told you through exposition to establish something through for a convenient plot sake it there's yeah. no in the in this in the dialogue and this is probably a translation problem is terrible the, the script is just terrible like it is tell don't show all the way right it's like you're it's like mm-hmm. you use that example all the time in the radio plays right where it's just like vader is choking like you're choking me with the force or whatever mm-hmm. like they're they're saying that shit out loud while it's happening on screen in this cartoon right and there's just so little left to the visual piece it's just not, it's just not satisfying it's fine and I do tend to like the ones that I can slot into canon. Like, this is a possible thing that happened. This is a possible thing that could have happened. There could be, like, a Outer Rim world with a family that's passing down a lightsaber from generation to generation who's a little Force-sensitive and can use and uses it as, like, a family heirloom. 
thing, but it just didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, and it just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the Imperial officer that they showed. The, the stormtroopers were. It's, it was definitely a stylish choice, but I didn't like how the, the stormtroopers looked. I don't know. I just definitely not my favorite. I could. Uh, it's not my you know, least favorite. But yeah, if I yeah if I if I'm asked to watch it again, that I'll probably be like, hmm, yeah, I don't know about that. But you know, recall recall when you said that a lot of these feel like pilots for other series. Yeah, this one sort of felt like that too. Oh, definitely. It felt like it felt like you could write a, a mini series around Lapinocho being on opposite ends of of Empire versus Rebel, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, it it really felt like that at the end, especially when she's like, like staring her sister down as the Corvus flies away. Yeah, um, it was very, very much a setup for something bigger. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe all these studios have been told that you got to fight for one of one of you is going to get picked up as a uh, as a series or a small continuation. So, well, I mean, there, it's very possible. Well, okay, so I'll put it this way. If they made another one of Lop, with starring Lop, I would watch it. Yeah, I I suppose I would, too. Or but comic. No, you yeah. Star Wars Vision comics and, and follow up with some of these stories. That, that might actually be a better format for it, to make like a little manga oh, um, yeah. comic and, and see what, what's going on there. But I don't know. Like, There's just something about this telling these actors this script, this 20-minute runtime that just didn't coalesce into, like, a good story for me. Yeah. There's lots and, of things I liked about it, though, but it just didn't work overall. And I, I, I don't like the animation style of, like, a mouth is either, op- is either open or it's closed. Right. There's no kind of nuance. This was very much like a Pokemon-style yeah. um, anime. Um, Gary Oldman does sort of look like a cross in between the Imperial Admiral looks across between like Gary Oldman and the fifth element and Jesse from team rocket. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yep. All right. So I guess. Do you have anything else? uh, No, no, I don't. Not on this. So now we get to our ranking system. So how we rank episodes is we rank an episode by a star Wars character. So a you know like a really great episode would be a original trilogy character Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Darth Vader, etc. And then just a really bad one would be oh who's something who's who's somebody worthless? Seal Bibble. Okay. Seal Bibble. So Matt, what do you choose for this episode? It's tough because I sort of want to. It's really hard with these middle of the road episodes, right? But I'm just gonna go give it. Go ahead and give it a Jackson. Great minds think alike. I was also going to give it a Jackson. Oh, were you really? Yeah. Oh, that's a double jeopardy then. So, I don't know. It's it's just funny. I know Jackson is quasi canon, right? Because he appears in a comic, in an IDW comic. He his skeleton is seen in the D Squad arc of Clone Wars, and he's sort of jokingly around and now these aren't canon but now there's leppies in this episode too so i think jackson is he's a big green space rabbit like 
Bucky O'Hare. Oh my God, Bucky O'Hare. Yeah, that's totally rad. <laughs> I have one of his. I have one of the uh, his graphic novels. I, I gave it to my son. That's awesome. But yeah, so little Bucky O'Hare is what I give it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and we're tied, so we give it the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. Cool, that takes care of that. What, that's the end of the episode. We'll be back hopefully soon with our review slash breakdown of the last Star Wars Visions episode, Akikiri. So today, thanks for downloading. Thanks for you know listening. We don't uh, really uh, put any money into any kind of advertisements or any production values or anything like that. So word of mouth is really how people find us. So if, if you uh, enjoyed this episode, be sure to tell a friend who likes Star Wars or just likes listening to random people talk about Star Wars. Or if you really, truly despise this episode, be sure to uh, tell somebody you don't like because fuck them, right? So we'll be back again with the final episode of Star Wars Visions. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of pre-cult characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da